Hello, my friend. I hope something good happens to you this week. On the Free Your Energy podcast, I have superhuman yogi, also known as Marcus Jennings, who is a two-time author, a yoga instructor, a husband, a father, and a teacher. Today on the Free Your Energy podcast, he takes us down his journey as a yoga student. He talks about how he was injured and how that injury changed his life. And he gave us some words of wisdom. Sit back and enjoy this episode of the Free Your Energy podcast. Marcus, on the internet, you are known as Superhuman Yogi. Now, as your friend, I've known you for some years now, and I know your story, and I know that it's an inspiring story, and I would like for you to tell us what happened. How did you become the yogi guy at the very, very beginning of the yoga journey? Well, to to start off, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I was one of those guys that, you know, was quote-unquote too macho for yoga, and the way that I viewed it, you know, just like most guys do is, you know, it was, it's for women. But, you know, back in, in 2011, I, I had a ruptured Achilles tendon. And so during my rehab process, you know, I, I did the basic rehab and, and that was okay, but it just felt like, you know, it wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to be. So I wanted to be the athlete that I once was before. And so as I researched, I stumbled upon yoga as the best way to to heal an Achilles tendon, to rehab an Achilles tendon. And it kind of caught my attention. And so one day I was, you know, scrolling, doing some research on yoga. And I saw a guy named David Regan, Regalin. Uh, who's a yoga teacher out of New York City. And I just watched his practice. And the way he practiced showed a form of athleticism, which really reeled me in. And so I was like, well, I have no idea that yoga could branch out to, you know, more than the physical. You know, it's it's really, uh, you know, uh, spiritual as well. So... I just kind of, you know, kept his practice in mind and I started my yoga practice from from there. And my yoga practice in the beginning was mostly uh, self-taught. So I did a lot of reading of articles, uh, reading magazines, uh, you know, looking at different videos on YouTube, reading books. So a lot of my, my practice in the beginning was uh, self-taught and then eventually I would start going to yoga studios and then eventually that would lead me to um, you know teaching yoga as well. How did how did the injury happen? You said you you tore your Achilles. Uh, what what was that like? How did it happen? What did it feel like? So I actually was playing tennis and I was going for a backhand and it ruptured but to be honest, that day <laughs> I did a lot. I, uh, you know, did a five mile hike. I did a, a five mile run, and then towards the end of the day, which was about uh, six p.m. Central Time, 
I decided to play tennis and I think that it was just overworked and, you know, it just ended up snapping. So I was playing tennis. And what did it, what is, what does that feel like? Like when it tears? It it was rough. Um, I would definitely say it was the, the most painful experience I had um, because you hear the pop and the pop is what gets you initially. You know, you look around, you're like, did somebody just, you know, throw a brick at me or, you know, what happened? Um, and then once you realize what happened, you look in the back and you see no tendon is there. That's when all the pain starts to hit you. Um, so the way I can describe it is it really felt like, you know, your your ankle being rolled over by a train is, is the way I can describe it because uh, you have nothing back there. So even after, you know, the surgery, the pain lasted for <laughs> a couple of years. I would say after after year number three, I would say I was I was pain free completely. You know, it's just one of those things where it just takes time to heal. So, you know, you can't, you know, rush into the uh, rehab process thinking that the pain is going to be away and you're going to be back to, you know, 90 percent, you know, in no time. It just doesn't work like that. So it really, really took you about three years to get to a point where you didn't feel anything at all in there. Right, right. So. And I mean, now it, it, you know, I it, it's as close to a hundred percent as it'll ever ever be. But I mean, you can see like the difference between, you know, the the injured leg versus the the opposite leg. So it's not like completely straight or anything. And that may be how the 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 surgeon put the ankle back together. I know that he said he had to overlap the the tendon because it had popped so he overlapped it stitched it back together and you know that that ankle was a slightly crooked but i'm still mobile i'm still close to 100 percent. so i'm i'm good now do you ever have fear um when you're doing something even if it's just walking up the stairs that it's going to pop again no i have 100 percent confidence uh that is it's not gonna happen again. Um, to be honest, I don't really worry about it at all. Maybe on the opposite leg, because you know I don't know. Normally they say if you if you do one, the other one is gonna follow. So as far as the one that I've already injured, I don't worry about it at all. You know I don't fear anything happening. And you know like somebody told me you know, doing my rehab processes, you can't baby it. You know, if you want to continue to be athletic, you can't be full of fear. You have to train hard, you know, and, and continue to build up your mental as well. So it's not something that, honestly, I don't even think about anymore. Maybe within the first couple years, but after, uh, you know, time has passed and I've had no issues with it at all, I think that's what kind of built that that trust in my leg as well. So now you're at a point where 
hold on, let's not go too far. So you start rehabbing and then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good. You didn't get rid of the yoga practice and go back to what you were doing before. What happened is the yoga practice kind of became like a staple of your life. Is that like, walk us through that, that part of the journey. Right. So, um, yoga is, is, so it's bigger than just the injury I learned. So as a person that had, you know, chronic back issues, I also had high blood pressure, you know, uh, you know, cholesterol numbers were off. When you see the other avenues of your life improve as well, it's hard to, to stay away from something that's changed your life for the best. So yoga is something that, it, I would. I don't think I would have experienced it if it wasn't for the injury. But due to the injury, I practice yoga. You know, I've been practicing for for over eight years now, and it's a part of me. So you know, when something becomes a part of you, it's 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 eternal. You know, it's it's with me for for the rest of my life. And it, you know, just like I explained before, is it's so beneficial in many different ways, you know, not only, you know, does, does it, uh, you know, improve my numbers health wise, but mentally, you know, it helps me, it relieves my stress and it just does so many other, other different things for me. And that's why I continue to practice a day and I, I'm, I know I'm never going to stop. So. So how does, how do we get started if we're new to yoga and we we're hearing that not only did it change your life from your chronic back pain, but your mental health and literally healed one of the hardest injuries that a human can face. How do we get started? Well, I mean, you can start by just simply meditating. You know, yoga doesn't have to be a physical practice. You know, yoga can be what you want it to be. So. For a lot of people, yoga is is just sitting still, taking the time to, you know, come away from the outside world, coming away from all of the noise. And you can do this if you work in your office. You can sit down in your chair, just close your eyes, even if there's noise going around. Doesn't matter. You can close your eyes and just and just uh just focus. Just just come away from it all. Just breathe. Just let go everything that's going on in your life right now. And, you know, you could just start that simple. But if you want more of a physical practice, um, you can you can start by going to a, a yoga studio or you can go the route that I went, which was uh, being proactive, you know, reading the articles, reading journals, you know, uh, studying videos, uh, you know, reading books. So it just depends on on how you prefer to learn. And the great thing about yoga is you're always learning. You're always evolving. So with me, you know, being almost, you know, double digit years in, I'm still learning. I still want to grow. So you can start by whatever makes you comfortable. Some people start by joining in on uh, challenges. Uh, on Instagram, you know, now people have their uh, opinions on that, but as long as you get started, 
it doesn't matter how you start just as long as you start. And then once you start, you know, you'll start to see these changes. You'll start to see how it makes you uh, uh, strong within the inside. Um, as far as that goes, I've seen a lot of people build the strength to come out of terrible situations they were in that they couldn't get out of before. So it just start whatever works, whatever way works for you. You can try the studio. You can try it on your own. You can try, uh, you know, yoga challenges and then kind of see what works for you and then just stick to that until you're ready to, to kind of go out there and, and maybe, uh, you know, start practicing with other people. What is the frequency of your practice at this moment? Like on a, on a weekly scale? Uh, right now, um, I'll, I still practice daily. It's not always physical like it was maybe with my first, you know, three to four years. But one way or another, rather um, I, I meditate or I flow, I'm doing something daily. Um, you know, within my first, you know, three, four, five years, it was every day on the mat, every day on the mat. But for me, you have to understand what you need. And what I need is stillness. But what somebody else may need is 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 something more spiritual. Another person may need, you know, the physical. So you'll learn what you need. And for me personally, I can't say that I'm pat beyond the physical aspect of it because I'm not. I never will be. But for me, I need stillness. I'm a person that moves around a lot. I'm always here. I'm always there. I'm always moving around. And the most challenging part for me is sitting still. So I find myself going to, uh, even when I go to, to other classes that other teachers are, are, are teaching, I go to teachers that are older, you know, more mature, are going to have slow movements, are going to make you sit still for 30, 40 minutes at a time. And that's what that's the inner strength that I need is to be able to sit still. So every day I'm doing something. OK, let me take this opportunity to put you in the position to guide me in this very moment. Uh, one of the things that I've been practicing this year is just trying to be more. I don't necessarily want to just say vulnerable. That's, that, I don't think that's the right word, uh, but there's a there's an essence of vulnerability where you you open up more to you know, to the people, you know, like, I don't necessarily need to be vulnerable to every single person I, I come across, mm -hmm. uh, but to the people I know, the people I have a relationship with, I want to practice like proactively opening up thoughts and ideas that are on my mind, because what I'm learning is, you know, isolation is a bitch. Mm -hmm. And if you isolate yourself, isolate all your ideas, isolate all your thoughts, your feelings and keep them to yourself. Um, what happens is you never get a reflection. You never get uh, a mirror. You never see that energy being um, interacting with other energy in the world. So I'm in a situation where, you know, I live in Arizona. Uh, the gym's closed because of COVID, because it, COVID is so dangerous that, you know, they have to close our gyms, even though they want the kids in school. Another conversation. But the kids can go to school, but we can't go to the gym. So here I am. You know me. I'm a, I, I love going to the gym. Um, 
Now, I love to hike. I love to be out in nature. I love to go for my, my walks. I love to ride the bike. But when it's the summertime, that's kind of taken away from me, at least from like an enjoyment standpoint, unless I get up at three or four in the morning, which really isn't a good strategy for me. Some people do it. For me, I'm not getting up at three or four in the morning. I'm just not. Um, so what do you recommend? I can't go to the gym. You know, I can't I can't lift. I can't get on the treadmills. I love playing basketball. There's none of that. Uh, but other stuff I like to do, hiking, getting my miles in through running or walking and then getting on the bike. Can't really do that because it's so hot. What would you recommend if you were in my shoes? What would you do for the the physical exertions that we need? Hmm. That's a that's a great question. So you're in a, a climate where I mean you're basically in the the desert climate, um, and but then you're limited to being able to do the day to day things that you know we once had that we once were able to take advantage of, um, and, and I can't say I'm totally in your shoes, but I kind of am. So here. I'm in the Midwest, you know, we're we're in the 90s. I know it's nothing like like uh the desert, but right, the gyms are closed. So what I've been doing is is doing other things that I enjoy. So um like gardening, you know, I'm out in, in my garden. Um you know, I, I keep a a hat on my head and and I I'll, I'll notice that let's say I wake up in the morning, I could be you know, a, a hundred and eighty pounds. By the time I'm done, I've done a full workout, and I'm one hundred and seventy-five pounds. You know, by the end of the day. So, uh, you know, getting out and, and and just doing other things that that are physical, but you're not thinking about that you're actually putting in the work. Now, if I want to actually, you know, do a workout, I'll find items in the house. And and work out with with those items. That way, I'm still cool. If I want to be, I don't have to be out in the in the sun or or the heat at all. Um, and and just you know continue to to stay focused and and trying different things, using different items around the house. So, um, like yesterday, I used a chair to to work on my core and and, and work on my legs as well. So. Um, you don't have to always have access to the gym to stay in shape. You know, it's it's about being proactive and and using your your artistic mind. So we all are capable of being creative and and making a way, you know, to work out and not just being traditional all the time. So you can, you know, get a towel if you have hardwood floor. You can, you know, put your feet on a towel. Get in a plain position, draw those knees in towards the chest, you know, and continue to rep that out. So, you know, just using what you have is is was it was very important in order to stay in shape and you know continuing to watch what you eat. So another plus for the garden is you're out there working, you're maintaining, but then you get to eat that healthy food that you've been working on. And I've been doing that every day. Every day I'm eating something out of the garden. So um, I would recommend, you know, doing that or, or giving it a try. You know, we have plenty of time with this pandemic to try things out 
And if you don't like them, hey, at least you tried and you're still eating healthy. So that's that's what I can say to, you know, working out, you know, without having access to the gym and, you know, staying indoors when it comes to the heat. So from a from a schedule perspective, how does it look for you uh, if you're going to get your yoga practice in? Is that is that a first thing in the morning? Is it when you feel like it before bed? How, how does it usually work for you? Uh, for me, it's going to be typically first thing in the morning. But, you know, as you know, having having a kid, your schedule is, is all over the place, especially when the kid is very little. So for me. You know, when my son is asleep, maybe I'm working out, you know, or just whenever he sleeps is when I get a lot done. So sometimes that may be four in the morning, you know, sometimes it may be seven in the evening. But typically I try to do first thing in the morning and that's before he even wakes up. So um, first thing in the morning or when everybody sleeps, you know, is, is the best time to to really get things done because that way you don't have any distractions. You don't have any excuses and you're actually making a way. You're not trying to find a way because when you're trying to find a way, it's probably not going to happen consistently. So you just got to make a way to get things done. Got to make a way. I like that. Yep. And so you just welcomed your first, your, your first child. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Man, what were some of those those emotions and thoughts that were going through and that you're still going through right now? Well, you know, as as a person that you know, for for a time I for a while I was you know, I was pretty much single and uh I mean, I was traveling the world, you know, by myself and then, you know, you you uh you you find a, the the person you love and then you you know you you have a baby so uh emotionally for me it was it was really deep because i always wanted kids but i didn't think it was going to happen so for me to 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 have a, a a child i feel blessed and i feel like i have the biggest opportunity to uh, you know, show him, show him the way, you know, I still want him to be himself, but it's, it's just so much joy, you know, it's, it's more than just me. And I have somebody that that's, you know, watching my every move. So it makes me a better person. It makes me more conscious. And, you know, the, the love that I have for my son is, is, is like no, no other love. That, that I've ever experienced. And so it's it's crazy because you're looking at everything that's going on in this world and there's nothing you really can do about it. And is in a way you kind of feel bad that 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 your child has come into such a crazy time. But I do see I feel like it's gonna make him a stronger person. It's gonna make him a better person because him coming into the world to this madness is is something that he can take advantage of on a strength level. So um but yeah I'm 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 happy to 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 have my my first child and um you know I it's it's a love like you know like no other. 
did you what was the relationship like with uh with your father did you did you have a father figure in your life growing up uh you know what my my biological father he wasn't around much um you know sometimes you may go a couple years you know without seeing him you know rather that be because he was locked up or whatever it is he had going on but I was uh, fortunate enough to have a stepfather growing up, and you know, I, I just thank God that I had him in my life. You know, I do feel like it's it's a, a privilege to have a, a wonderful parent, you know, in your life, and the, everything he taught me, I can see it today. Whether it comes to you know landscaping or uh, you know woodwork, uh, working out. You know, that was one thing I got from him. You know, I would see him working out and then I would just do what I saw him doing. You know, I would see him doing the military workouts, you know, see him getting upside down on a wall, doing upside down pushups. And it's like, I can't say that I'm him all over again, but there's a lot of great things that I got from him. And if it wasn't for him, I know I wouldn't be where I was today. Um especially seeing where we started, you know, him and, and my mom, you know, starting off in a, a poor neighborhood and working their way to, to you know, the American dream, having a big house, you know, working hard and, and not having excuses for why they could have ended up, how they could have ended up like a lot of people, but they, but seeing them want more, wanting to do better, you know, put that same strength in me and, I was able to see a different light, you know, versus a lot of people that I initially grew up with and and saw that it was a way out of all of that. And, you know, I just thank my, my stepdad and mom for that. So does he still play a role in your life now? Oh, oh yeah. He's he comes in. Anything I have, he's there whenever I'm in, you know, the Chicago area. You know, I'll I'll stay with him or my mom. Um, anything that I have going on, it doesn't matter where it is in the world, he'll show up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know that that support level has never ended since I was, you know, five six years old. And you know, I just I just thank God for that. You know, he he he's always been there, and he's still there now. And is your father still alive? Uh, my dad is, is still alive. Um, you know, the, the times I did see him and, and the times I, I spoke to him on the phone, he gave me a, a different type of strength. So he was a person that was more so in the streets. And, you know, the, the things that people go through in the streets kind of gives you that vision that if you keep living, you know, something else is going to happen. So no matter what happens in life, you can still press forward. You'll still live more than likely to see another day. And when it comes to complaining, one thing I got from him is, yeah, you keep living, something else is going to happen. And something else is going to happen. And something else is going to happen. So it's all about how we react to those things and how we overcome them is ultimately what matters. So that's one of the best things I got from my biological dad. What's one of the lessons that you want your son to know? Um, obviously, he may not 
be able to take it now because he's just trying to hold his neck up and, and get some milk and sleep. <laughs> but, yeah. but something that means a lot to you, um, that you're going to want him to know and you're going to try to teach him, uh, in the future. All right. So here, here's my thing for my son. I don't want him to have a victim mindset. You know, I don't want him feeling sorry for himself I don't want him to think that he's he's going to be held back no matter what it is he wants to do with his life. Um, you know, so, so many times, like even now, there's so many people out here with a, a victim mindset that it prevents them from doing what they're here to do or whatever they're capable to do. So I want him to have a, a, a strong mindset and I want him to have the will to do whatever it is he desires to do while he's on this earth. Um, and that's, that's, that's pretty much what I want for him. That's powerful. Victim mindset. Talk to us a little bit more about your perception of what a victim, victim mindset is, what it does. Uh, and then also maybe like some ways we could stop doing it. Cause some of us listening to the podcast could have that. Right. Um, well, I would say, um, it is, so here's the thing, when it comes to a vic, victim mindset, there's different avenues of it. Like some people can have a victim mindset, uh, and feel sorry for themselves because they're black. You know, some people can have a victim mindset, you know, and feel sorry for themselves because they're a woman and a gender or a, a ethnicity it's not a stopping point for you, no matter who you are, um, no matter what the history of America has been or whatever country you may be in, you still can fulfill whatever dreams that you have. You know, if you want to go to college and you're in a neighborhood that had, that nobody's going to college, you just have to remember that it's a choice that you have to make. You can stay back with, with everybody else and not go or you can be proactive and do your research and see what does it take for me to get in college. And once you have that list, you do those things that it takes to fulfill whatever your goals are. So that's what it's all about. It's all about, it's, everything is all about the mindset. Whatever you see yourself doing, you can do it. It's all about uh, having that confidence uh, and, and putting forth the action to to do whatever it is that you want to do, no matter what your goal is, no matter what your task are, uh, it, it all starts with you. And you can't look to anybody else to fulfill your dream for you. Only you can do that. So uh, as it comes to, you know, a, a victim mindset, you just can't feel sorry for yourself. You know, nothing great comes to people that feel sorry for themselves. And a lot of times they create their own outcome by just simply being a victim. You know, even, even if you're a person or like myself, okay, I've been molested before, but I can't sit and feel sorry for myself. You know, I have to forgive, you know, the, the person or people that have done that to me. That's step number one. You have to forgive. And then step number two, you've got to move on. You know, 
today is is August is August 6, 2020. If your incident happened, you know, two years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you got to stop living in the past and you have to live in the present. You have to live in the now and you have to understand all of these things that happen to us in life. You're not the only one, you know. So that's kind of my my reaction, you know, to to the victim mindset is we can't we can't feel sorry for ourselves. I mean, even if you're looking for somebody to cheer you on when you've done something great, as long as you can cheer yourself on, that's all that matters. Because at the end of the day, your life is your life and you can't live your life for anybody else. Hold on, I'm getting the uh, I'm getting the collection plate to pass around so we can <laughs> so we can collect some funds for this sermon you're giving us. <laughs> well, definitely appreciate you sharing, uh, especially you know sharing something as personal as you know being uh, being molested before. That's um, obviously something that people don't openly uh, talk about. I'm just very proud of you for being able to to use that moment for your own personal journey to transition it into, you know, motivation and, 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 and to push you forward. Um, right. I'm glad that you've been able to like find something useful to do with that energy because, you know, honestly, I was listening to people talk, which I feel like I always do. I just listen to, to how people talk and um, I often hear I hear people complain and then they don't have solutions, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to vilify a complaint. Like we all complain, like I don't want to vilify it, but, and this is just my opinion from the work I've done in my life and with clients. And I just feel like there's nothing wrong with complaining. If you are going to take that energy and that observation, and you're going to shift it and use it somehow. Mm-hmm. I think if you're just going to complain, I feel like the only result you're actually creating is some type of emotional distress, um, whether you're creating more worry, whether you're creating more concern, more, uh, uh, more strife. Maybe you're making yourself overthink because of your complaining. Mm-hmm. Um I've always been the type of person who, if I complain, my next train of thought is, okay, I complained. Like, let me acknowledge how I feel. Let me acknowledge what created the complaint. But then what can I do? What what actions can I take? And sometimes the actions aren't always available to you. Sometimes you can only complain. And you have to wait till later before you can do anything. Right. But... For me, it's always a, okay, if I'm going to complain, how do I shift, you know, shift this behavior, shift this, this energy, how do I change what I'm doing? Maybe sometimes the complaints are coming not because of other people, but they're coming because of how you are choosing to interact, you know, with the setting or situation. Is there a time in your life where you were in a situation that caused you to complain a lot, Uh, whether that was external complaining or internal complaining? And if so, you know, whether school, sports teams, relationship, job, you know, with self, whatever it may be, you know, how did you get through it? Like, how do you get through 
those moments in life. Right. Um, I, so here, here's what I would say. Uh, and I'm sure you heard this term before is the, the term is this, the, the man is holding me back or the government is holding me back. So, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear, hear this a lot in the community and it's nothing but complaints. And the only person that can stop you is you, right? So as you said, you can complain, you can complain and complain, that's fine. But as long as you're putting that energy towards, uh, you know, a, a positive out of that, then that's great. But if, you know, if I'm going to just sit here and complain, like that's just, it's just wasted energy. You know, but going back to the whole concept of the the man is holding me back and now I'm going to complain about it. That's all a, a mindset as well, because if you think if you think about a, a job, for example, you know, oh, well, I have all of these bills and I can't pay them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to complain and then I'm going to put the blame on somebody else that's not in my situation. All right. So instead of that, what a person can do is look at, okay, how can I become an entrepreneur? What are some positive things I can do to to make income, you know, versus putting all of this time and energy and effort towards somebody that may not hire me or whatever the case may be? You know, having that mindset of having multiple sources of income, whether you're investing, whether you have a, a business on the side, whether you have some type of, of service that you can offer somebody. I mean, there are so many different things that you can do uh, to get yourself out of that situation. So it's all a choice. Either you can complain or you can be the change. You can make the change, but you can't put that on somebody else. You can't put it on the government. You can't put it on this group of people or that group of people, you have to, number one, take accountability, look at where you're at, you know, really take accountability for why you're in those positions, and then do what it takes to get yourself out of it since you got yourself in. So I think the key word here when it comes to complaining is just accountability. You know, if if you're complaining, it's a it's more than likely all the time that it's something that you can get yourself out of or it's something that you can do about it. So again, it, it all comes down to choosing rather you're going to do what it takes to get these things done, or you're going to just sit there and complain. You have had videos in the past go viral. Uh, your, your, your workout videos, your lifting videos, calisthenics, uh, your yoga videos, viral, viral. I mean, on ESPN, viral. And I'm curious, what's that? What does that feel like for you to just be working out, recording yourself, and millions of people see your videos? What What does that feel like? Um, it, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's like a, it's bittersweet because on one hand. You're helping people uh, as far as, you know, getting into the best shape of their life or it motivates people to get up off of the couch 
or it motivates people to be creative or whatever the case may be. But on the flip side to that is uh, the first type of person I am, I'm going to be honest, I don't really like the spotlight like that. I like to be out in the world and be able to enjoy myself. And I found that, you know, and it could be, you can see, view it as a complaint or whatever, but I found that the the bigger I got, the more I got out there, the more people recognized me. You know, the more people watched what I did. You know, it got to the point where I couldn't go to a restaurant without somebody, oh, well, ain't you the guy on, you know, on, on the internet, or oh, what are you doing eating this, or what are you doing, you know, doing that? So it's kind of like all eyes were always on me, and it got to the point where I couldn't really enjoy myself. But I would say helping people outweighed that. And so looking at the the the, the positive, you know, outweighing the cons, looking at, you know, helping people versus only thinking about myself is what keeps this this going. It, it keeps me, you know, coming back when I may disappear. So um, it's a good thing to, to be able to, uh, you know, help people save lives. And also, you know, I, if, if I would disappear for a while, people would send me emails and say, hey, man, you know, I really, you know, miss your posts because they helped me not commit suicide. And I can't yeah. tell you how many times people have sent me that exact, you know, message. I would say over 50 people send me a similar message like, hey, you know, your videos were motivating. You know, I was, you know, in a, a healthy mental state. You know, uh, you know, it helped me not commit suicide. And these are the things that, that, that keep me around. These are the things that keep me from thinking about myself. And these are the things that, that keep me wanting to help people because it's bigger than just me. Mm. You had a page um, that grew. Uh, I feel like you had over, well over like a hundred thousand people on there, and you deleted the page. Uh, most people won't wouldn't do that, but you deleted the page and started a brand new one. Right. What was the reason for that? I've never asked you this, and I've always been curious. What was the reason that you did that? And that was the page that was super popular. That was the one that kept going viral. Um, and maybe you just alluded to some of it with, you know, not wanting on the spotlight, but what really caused you to say, you know what, I need to delete this and start over. All right. Well, so I'm going to be honest. So a lot of it was that, but then a lot of it was me. I'm going to, I'm going to get kind of personal. It was me wanting to, at that time, you know, teach yoga full time and it was something that I could have done but when you ha when you are are married and you know two become one your goals and the other person goals may not mesh well so for me I I got rid of the page because of that situation I was in I was married before and it was causing issues there and it's like once you you build a certain lifestyle, sometimes it's hard for people to reverse, reverse that. So it was during the process of my divorce, and it's like I was trying to do everything to make things work. That wasn't the only issues that were going on. 
that was just one part of it. And, you know, in the middle of that, you have, you know, family members dying. And it was just a lot going on at that point. And the easy thing for me to do was to just disappear, to just just let it go. Um, is it something that I regret doing? And, and, and yes, it is something I regret. Um, but, you know, sometimes things happen, you know, in life and you got to be able to overcome those obstacles and, and, and not get as weak as I did at that point. So um, that's kind of where, where it ended for me with that particular page. But obviously you learn a lot, you build a lot of strength. Um, and, you know, that's where I was, that's where I was at at that, that point in life. I was very stressed. I was lost. You know, I was confused. I didn't, you know, know which what path I was on. I knew where my heart wanted to go, but I didn't follow my heart. I followed, you know, another path to to make somebody else happy. And ultimately, what I learned through that experience is you have to make yourself happy. You can't depend on other people to keep you happy. You have to be happy with yourself. You have to know happiness for yourself. You have to make yourself happy. I'm going to reiterate that again. You have to make yourself happy. And I learned that I can't take the accountability for somebody else's happiness. And, you know, through all of that, I learned and I grew and I'm here now. And, you know, that's how life is. You experience things, you learn, you grow, you move on. And if, you know, you're faced with those situations again, you know how to handle them better because you have that experience. That collection plate is still going around. I think there's <laughs> there are some more bills being dropped in there. You know, they just gave me an idea. I think this might exist already. It's possible. But for podcasters, there should be a way where I could tip a podcaster. <laughs> Seriously. So if I listen to your podcast for an hour or two hours and I get value out of it, you're teaching me something, you're motivating me, or you're just sharing a story that's entertaining me, I should be able to hit the tip button and it, it should just prompt me like, okay, send $3, send 10, send a thousand, whatever you're feeling like, you know? Right. Um, I don't know if that exists, but I'm about to look into it. Literally, when we get off, like I need to look into that for a couple of reasons. One, I, I mean, I would add it to my podcast if that's something. My podcast, I don't have commercials. I don't, I don't do ads. Mm -hmm. So, but I have thousands of listeners. So, um, that would be a cool way to monetize it. That wouldn't be uh, like selling my soul. But then, two, if that doesn't exist. That's an invention that's one of us needs to make. It, it um, is. Yeah, like one of us needs to figure out how to make that. We could partner together, maybe get some people who listen to the podcast, and we could we could get together, build a little committee, pitch it to someone who can actually build it, and boom, like that needs to exist. Right, right. I I definitely agree with that. Hey, if it's just like you saying, if you preaching, hey, what do they do? They start passing money around, so. So walk me through a typical day in your life. Obviously, no day is typical, but just give me a a rundown of what a day to day looks like for you. Uh, well, you know, with this this pandemic, you know, things have, have definitely changed. Um, but for me, 
currently at the moment, uh, first thing is I get up in the morning. You know, I'll usually, you know, run a mile or two uh, to get my day started. Uh, after that, I may have a, a cup of coffee, you know, practice yoga uh, or meditate. And then um, still still early in the morning, I would say about 730 is the time I usually get out to my garden, you know, pick the weeds out, you know, pick some harvest, uh, you know, do uh, whatever maintenance needs to be done with that. And then once I'm done with that, I'm on to my... Uh, you can say nine to five. And, uh, you know, basically uh, what I do, I, I can work anywhere, you know, in, in, in the world. Um, you know, there's no no brag anything, but I'm in the, the health IT care uh, sector. And I've been in this industry for yeah maybe about 10 years. When did I start? No, over 10 years. So it's been 11 years now. And uh, uh, during my job, I actually you know, do coding. So I'm a person that, that designs the software, you know, when you go to the doctor's office or you go to the hospital, you see them, you know, inserting uh, data into the screens. Uh, that's what I do. I'm a person that builds those. Uh, and then after work, you know, I'll, uh, you know, take time to, to spend with, you know, family, um, uh, you know, eat my dinner and then just kind of, you know, chill out for the rest of the day. Uh, I'm usually a person <laughs> that's in bed at like eight o'clock. So uh, I go to bed early, get up early. So, you know, a lot of things that I need to do outside of, you know, work or, you know, family, I do when everybody sleeps. So, you know, that, that, that four o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock range is when I get most of my work done. Oh, so you are a four o'clock guy. How do you do it? What's what's the what's the strategy at night in order for you to be a four o'clock guy in the morning? Because I know it's a night thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I you know I, I think for me I do so much during the day. You know, you know I just I have to get myself tired. So it's a lot of physical physical labor. You know cooking, cleaning, like just nonstop moving. And when eight o'clock comes, I'm out. But I don't know. I think it's something that that's in me because even as a kid, I always went to bed early. You know, even in college, there were times where I'd be out at the club or at a party. Guess who's sleeping in the corner with no alcohol? Me, you know. So um, it's just, that's just how I've always been. But then, um you know, just, just my mind just doesn't rest. So even when I'm asleep, it's like, I have a guilt if I don't get up at four o'clock or sometimes it may be five or whatever, but it's, it's like my mind knows I have to do so many different things. And if I don't do them, then it's like what a guy told me, if you don't find a way, you'll make an excuse. So just knowing all the things I have to do motivates me to get my butt up in the morning and and get these things done. Because if I don't get up at that time, things won't get done. And that's the motivation for me. And I don't like getting things done. I don't like having excuses. I don't, you know, I just, just got to get whatever needs to be done, done. So now it makes sense why at the very beginning you said, 
you know, you like taking some yoga classes where the teacher is really grounding and slowing things down and helping you just pause because your natural mode is go, 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 go. Right. Yep. So, I mean, prime example, um, you know, yesterday, um, you know, I, I did all my normal things that I just stated, but, you know, you I cut the grass, you know, I, I cooked three times, you know, during that time. So it's just so many different things that I'm do, doing during the day. By the time it's eight o'clock, like I'm I'm exhausted, you know, so but that's that's how I have to be like. If I'm a, if I've noticed about myself, if I'm not busy all of the time, I get stressed out. So it's also a way for me to relieve stress because I feel unproductive. Like if I don't get up at four, I feel unproductive. If I don't do all of these things, I feel unproductive. And, you know, for me, health wise, it's something that I have to do. I have to stay busy. That's interesting. You said if you're not busy, you get stressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then but then it's ironic because you're a yoga teacher and you know, I've been in your classes before where your your opening affirmation is to, you know, get people to calm down, to rest, to, you know, let your mind be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of your your waking your waking days, you're you're going, going, going. There's there, there's an interesting duality there. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing, you know, you know when I'm when I'm telling you know my students to you know you know be calm and you know relax, rest. I'm talking to myself too, you know. So and I also use that time, you know, as I'm teaching, you know, if I give the students 15 minutes of savasana to lay back guess who's laying back with them? Me. You know, I'm, I, I try to do whatever I teach. You know, I try to be consistent there. Uh, I try not to be hypocritical. So for me, I need that 15 minutes too, you know, for Savasana. I need, I need to relax. I need to calm down as well. So, um, that's, that's, that's the thing, you know, a lot of people don't, don't realize with a lot of yoga teachers is, you know, we have problems, too. You know, some of us are crazy, too. You know, we're just everyday people um, that that may be able to assist people into uh, realization or, you know, taking their mind off the outside world. But, you know, hey, we're all human, too. We We need that help, too. So how do you keep organized is it is it like a a a writing thing you do do you use your calendar do you just know in your head like hey this is what i need to do how do you if you're if your goal is to stay busy to stay moving and stay active how do you keep it organized um i don't you know what i'm not a uh a very structured person i'm not a person that really does a lot of planning that doesn't work out for me just doing it works for me so for instance, if I go downstairs right now and, you know, something out, something's out of order, I'll just go ahead and, and do what needs to be done, you know, on the fly, not, you know, just letting the day go past and, oh, well, I'll get to it, you know, later today. And next thing you know, it's next week and it's still not done. So for me, I'm like, I'm an on the spot person. Um, I look at things 
you know, throughout the day and whatever needs to get done, I just do it, you know. Or if, you know, and I know you're like this too, like, oh, if, if I say I want to write a book, you know, I'm going to start right now. I'm not going to start, you know, next month. I'm not going to start next year. If there's anything that I want to do, I'm going to do it now because I don't know about tomorrow. I might not be here tomorrow. So if I keep counting on tomorrow, it may never happen. So that's that's my, the way my mind is, is, you know, all we have is right now. We don't have tomorrow. We don't have next week or next month. We have right now. So that's why we have to do whatever it is that we want to do or needs to be done today. Speaking of books, you are an author yourself. Yes, yes, yep. I have your book. Tell me about your process uh, for writing the book. You know what? It's, it's interesting because um, I was very busy when I was writing a book. And whatever time I had, I just I just started writing, you know. You know, whatever the topic may have been, rather it been, uh, you know, limitations or, you know, sacrifice, whatever it was, I would just, you know, jot the, the title of of whatever the chapter was or the subject, and I would just start writing. Um, it was even to the point where, you know, I was traveling, teaching yoga classes, places, I would pull out my phone and start, you know, talking to the recorder uh, you know, in my notes on iCloud, and it would just populate my words as I was talking. And I mean, literally, whatever time I had, I didn't make any excuses, even if I had to talk it into my phone and, you know, the the, the, the speech turned into words, uh, you know, with my phone. So any t- opportunity I had, um, if I woke up in the middle of the night, if, you know, I know this is disgusting. If I was, you know, in the bathroom, it didn't matter. Like, I just wrote, 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 and, you know, didn't make any excuses for it and and just wrote it until, you know, you know, I, I was done. And, you know, as an author, you get to the point where you know when you're done, you know when the, the book is finished and, you know, you're there's a, a feeling that you have inside, like, okay, you know, this is done. Let me put the final touches on it. So... Um, I didn't really have a, a schedule or uh, a plan. I just just did it until it felt like it was done. How long did it take you to get the book done from, you know, start to finish? Uh, I would say from start to finish, uh, the first book was about, about two weeks, I would say. And the second book was about, it was less than that, I know maybe about a week of writing, but I mean, like you, you know, we can, we can write forever. So, you know, once we get in the zone, we just, we just keep going, you know? Um, I just, yeah, I just, just, just kept going until it was done. It didn't take long. Two weeks, man. Yeah. But it is, you know, I mean, it could be, you know, 20, 30 pages in a day, you know, it's like once you're in that zone, you just don't want to stop, you know, in the first book I had, I was single at that time. So I, I had nothing but time, you know, I didn't have, you know, a a, a girlfriend, I didn't have, 
you know, a, a child. I didn't have anything to distract me. So, you know, some days would be six hours or eight hours, you know, of writing. So I had that time and I just used it. Yeah, well, I've studied some of the uh, more famous writers of our generation and all of them, including me, have uh, consistent writing practices. Um, so for anyone listening, you definitely, in my opinion, you, you need a consistent practice, kind of like what you're talking about with your your yoga. To, it's a consistent practice for you. And really, I really think that's the sweet spot for for life. It's asking yourself and introspecting like, hey, what am I going to make consistent? Right. Because life is a bunch of habits and it's a bunch of behavior, behavior, behaviors repeated over and over. So really, what are we choosing to do? You know, what are we choosing for you? It's you're eating healthy, trying to eat healthy, trying to get in your garden, be there for your son, do work that means 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 something to you and build healthy relationships. You know, and I respect that. I respect that a lot. Uh, the four o'clock in the morning thing, I definitely respect. Because like I stated at the beginning, I'm not one of those guys. I just have never had the desire to. Mm-hmm. Now, if... So I tried to get up. I got up at four o'clock. I got up at 3.30 one day. This was like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I went for like a 12-mile bike ride. And uh, then I went for a... And it was still dark when I did that. Then I went for a six mile walk, came back. I lifted uh, in the house. The gym was closed. So I just had some like dumbbells. I I lifted. Then I worked out for like three or four hours (laughs) and it was like 8 8, 8 Mm a.m. And by 11 a.m. I had I was already doing my work for the day because then I I got to do my work and I was just sitting there like at. 12 like okay what am i supposed to do now <laughs> like I, I did everything i had to do like and uh so do you does that ever happen to you where you you get up so early you do everything and then you're just like oh, i got nothing else to do now i did everything nah no no i i mean like for me and i mean i i know i shouldn't be doing this so like i don't know like i just i just can't sit still so it's like I give myself every reason to do something else. Like, okay, well, let me go look around at Home Depot. I'm not going to buy nothing, but let me look at, you know, something that I could potentially build or something, you know, because I like doing woodwork and stuff too. So I just, I mean, like, I just, I can't be still. Like, it's like always something that I can do. Um, And I remember, you know, one time, I worked a, a job where I worked 11 uh, in the morning to 10 at night. And then I would still be on call once I got home. But on the days that I was off, which was rarely ever, uh, and this was when I was in Nashville, I would take a day trip to a, a city within a, a four-hour radius. So while I was in Nashville and I worked that job, you know, one day, one full day, I would go to Montgomery, Alabama. You know, the next week I would go to Louisville. The next week I would go to, uh, you know, Birmingham, Alabama. The next week I would go to Mobile, you know. Then I would go to Memphis, so forth and so on. And what I would do was I would visit different zoos and just take pictures of the animals. And that was something that I did every week. 
you know, to, to keep myself busy because, you know, like you said, after you do all of this, you could get to the point where you're like, okay, what's next? But for me, there's always, I can drive here, I can go there, or, you know, I can do this, I, even if it's by myself. And I don't care if it's a, a four-hour drive there or four-hour drive back. Like, that's a whole day, you know, that I can, you know, I have something to do. And while I'm driving, you know, I can talk into my phone and, and write a book or whatever it is that, you know, I want to do. So, um I don't know. It's just go, go, go. And that's not always a good thing either, though. Yeah. So have you have you ran into issues within where, like you say, it's not a good thing. Have you ran into issues with that where you're just going and burning, burning the candle from both ends, as they say? Uh, well, so this is what I'll say. There have been times where like I'm on go mode so much like. And in, in the older I'm getting, it, it's happening a little more frequently. Like, I'll just have a crash day where I'm so tired. Like, I literally will sleep the entire day. And it's like, I don't know when it's coming, but when it comes, I just obey it. And then I just sleep. I don't, I don't do anything. But that, you know, like I said, the older I'm getting, the more it's starting to happen. So, you know, the, the funny thing about it is, is your body has a way of shutting you down when you don't want to shut down sometimes. So sometimes you don't have a choice when your body's like, Hey, this is it. You need to sit down. Like there's nothing you can do about it. So that's one of the good things about getting a little bit older, but you know, in my late twenties, you know, mid to mid or even early to, to late twenties, like go, 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 no rest. You know, I didn't really have those crash episodes much. But once I start hitting the 30s, it's like, okay, uh, this just happened last week. Now it's happening again, you know. So let me listen to my body. Let me, you know, chill out more and, you know, maybe find movies to watch, uh, you know. So it, it's just all about even if I'm resting, I don't like really watching TV all day. But sometimes if I rest, I might have to turn the TV on, sit back you know, watch a little basketball. That way my mind is, is being occupied. So it's just a matter of just just, just occupying my, my mental, I guess, is the key for me. And when you were taking your trips, uh, are you still doing those types of trips or not? You know, what's your relationship with those trips now, those day trips you would do? Uh, it, it, not as often. Um, I actually just did one uh, this past weekend. Uh, so, um, I, I drove to, um, Columbus, Ohio, went to the zoo and, and then came back. So, um, I don't do it as often, you know, especially with the, the strict guidelines that other states have, you know, with the, the COVID situation. So right now I'm kind of limited in some sort of way to what I can do. You know, I don't have the keys to just move freely like I would normally. So, um, you know, I take advantage of, you know, the opportunities I do have. So when you go to the this is so intriguing to me, like you go to the zoo, take pictures of the animals. Do you do anything with the pictures? Is it on your phone? Can't like do you have a, a, a DSLR camera? Uh, yeah. So I do have a, a DSLR camera and I just have like a massive portfolio on on my hard drive. So 
you know, all of the zoos I've been to, like, I, there's just like a huge collection of different pictures. And my one of my goals, as silly as it may sound, is to go to every zoo in the country. So uh, I'm not even halfway done. I would say that I've been to most of them in, in the South. Um, you know, I've been to some on the West Coast, you know, some on the East Coast, a bunch of them in the Midwest. So the Midwest and, and the South are really the zoos that I've had the opportunity to see. Um, but when it comes to the East Coast and the West Coast, there's some I've, I've been to, but I still have uh, a lot of work to do. So, you know, maybe by the time I'm, I don't know, 40 or 50, maybe, you know, I could have that goal completed. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to start calling you Zoo Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my thing. So how come you've never shared the zoo work, uh, you know, with like, a, you know, social media or on your website? Uh, you know, I don't I don't know. I just think that. I, I, I don't know. It, it's weird because it's like when you're on on social media or the Internet, you're known for a certain thing. And I've noticed that, like, and I mean, I understand I have the full control of whatever I want to post. I, I notice that like a, a lot of people, if I do post, they're just not interested. So I don't know. Maybe it's something I can start separately and just, you know, see how it goes from there. But I just, I don't know. I just haven't done it. And, uh, you know, also for a while too, I would go on, on hikes, you know, to different parts of the world to see these animals in the wild as they would be in their natural habitat and just kind of view them from there. Uh, and I also had the opportunity to to see animals in, in their natural habitat in, in the country of Colombia, which was, was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, it's not just the zoos. A lot of times, you know, I'll go to national parks uh, to see animals in their natural habitat, uh, which is what I prefer to do, but, you know, Sometimes, you know, it doesn't happen whether those parks are closed off, uh, you know, due to wildfires or whatever's going on at the time. So, mm, man, that's interesting. I would definitely hit those hikes with you. And, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't take pictures of the animals. I'll leave that up to you. But I definitely will go and look. Yeah. Uh, I did something like that. We went to uh, me and Daisy went to uh, Costa Rica, mm -hmm. and she found this this jungle tour we could go to, and uh, we were there. We were just in the jungle, and the and the guy was guiding us around. And then all of a sudden, there was a bunch of uh, monkeys just jumping through the trees. Really? And I had I had never seen monkeys in real life. I'd only seen them on uh, TV. Mm -hmm. And he had some. Um, not goggles. What's 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 that thing called? You can look through and it magnifies. I can't think of it. Uh, um, I have some right in front of my face. What it? Binoculars. Yeah, binoculars. Yep. Yeah. Um. So he had some binoculars, and dude, if if anyone ever makes a movie about my life, this scene has to be in there. When <laughs> I put the binoculars up to my eyes and look. And I just see like 20 monkeys just jumping through the top of the trees. Are you serious? Yeah, I felt like it was like a slow motion moment. And it was just, 
it was just beautiful to see, to just be out in this jungle and there was no cars and no big buildings, no Starbucks, no, you know, there was no nothing from like the civilized world. It was just mm-hmm. just these creatures in their habitat. They weren't being bothered by us. We weren't bothering them like we were just observing. Right. And it was such a freeing moment. It was such a freeing moment to just it really made me like reflect just being this kid from the south side of Chicago and here I am in the jungle looking at monkeys. Like I just, right. I, I wouldn't, I would have never guessed that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like a, I don't know, like a, a, a sense of being away from, from everything away from being away from it all, being away from, you know, the day to day, you know, the things that happen in life, you know, cars constantly moving, you know, buses, airplanes. And it's like, you you're you're in the the jungle you know safari or you know wherever you are when you're you know uh hiking and it's just like a sense of freedom like us it's like you feel like this is where i belong you know it's just so much peace and it's like for me when i experience these things it's like i don't want to leave like it's like it's time to go already like i just want to stay here i don't want to leave you know I feel like there's a nature element of life that I would love to see. And it's, it, it's kind of like, you can't really reverse the way things have been built at this point, but I would love to see nature as a part of our cities. You don't really see that when you're in these cities, you're just in the city blocks and you're just in the streets and you're just in these strip malls. And nature is such a, healing element of life you know just getting to be able to just sit outside walk by a lake walk by a little pond you know one thing i'm really i find myself missing a lot right now is grass Mm -hmm. you know there's grass out in arizona uh, but there's a lot of grass where i grew up in the midwest there's a lot of grass Mm -hmm. and I just been thinking about it a lot, like actually leaving the city. I live in Tempe, Arizona now. I'm actually considering leaving the city to go to more of a maybe just like a smaller town that's close that that has nature more built into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have the the ideas completely figured out. I'm still I'm still working on it. But how often do you try to get yourself into nature? Uh, you know, that's interesting. Um, typically, you know, I'm, I'm a person that, that normally would find myself in nature at least three to five times a week. Um, but again, with this whole COVID situation, some things are limited and, you know, I love it so much that last year I bought a, a canoe and, um, you know, whenever um, I'm able to get out, you know, on the White Rivers, which we is what we have here uh, in Indianapolis, I'm I'm out on that river, and I don't have an engine on it or anything. You know, sometimes you know I can have three, four people on there, and I'm manually paddling. You know, and I feel like that's another way to to get away from that that daily uh, you know life cycle where. You know, there's engines and there's pollution and there's fumes, you know, getting back more to a natural state where, you know, you're in the water, 
and you're using your own energy to get to wherever you want to go. And you can just stop wherever you want, you know, inhale the fresh air. You know, if, if, if you come across a small island within that river, you know, I love to just settle on the island off the river, you know, away from everything, away from everybody, roll out my mat, meditate, you know, flow. And, you know, that's one of the, the best ways that I'm able to connect to the earth is, you know, getting on my boat, you know, you know, riding, finding a small little island, getting off, you know, and just do whatever I, I, I want to do, you know, in those moments. I'm going to need to see uh, see that with you, man. I'm going to need to get on that, that, that river with you. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful, too. Mm. So what's next for you? I know it's, it's hard to predict uh, with COVID going on, but what's 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 coming down the pipeline for you as far as what you believe? Um. Well, as far as what I have, well, hopefully, I, I don't know. It's just so many things that that the COVID is stopping. But I guess what I need to do is focus on what I can do. Uh, but what I would like to do is you know, go back to uh, Canada and teach more classes. I taught classes there last year. I really enjoyed that. Um, this year, I was supposed to teach classes in London. You know, obviously, due to the circumstances, you know, can't do that. I mean, we're not even allowed to really go anywhere outside of the country besides, like, Mexico. And I think there's one small country in Africa somewhere, I think, but other than that, we're pretty much locked down from going anywhere else. Uh, so what I think I'm going to do is is take the time to, uh, you know, maybe, you know, write another book. And uh, I'm actually, uh, you know, looking to uh, find some more land. Uh, so what, the house I'm at now, it's a nice house, but, you know, I just don't have the freedom to to build and, 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 and have the, the garden the size that I want. So uh, I'm in the process of, you know, looking for a new home with, you know, at least a couple of acres, you know, that way I can have my own farm and, you know, really, uh, you know, take it to the next level as far as uh, eating the foods that I want to grow and, 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 and managing and taking care and, and, and keeping all the pesticides off the produce and, you know, living a cleaner life. So based on the information you have right now, what does that look like for you? Where do, where do, where do you envision that house being? Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. You know, a lot of people can think this can be crazy, especially, you know, like, uh, like people like us that, that normally uh, would be in an urban area, you know, people that grew up in big cities like Chicago but I'm thinking about, you know, going to more of a, a rural area uh, outside of a big city, not far away, maybe like, you know, uh, 15 to 20 miles outside of a, a big city uh, and just just setting up shop in an uh, area where, you know, you can have and, and build whatever you want, you know, with no, no, no limitations, no HOA uh, regulations. No, uh, just, I just want the freedom, you know, I want a lot of land and I want a, a lot of freedom. So that's, that's what that looks like for me. I dig it. 
Well, tell us how we can find you and support you on uh, social media and any websites you may have where we can get in touch with, you know, some of the knowledge you're kicking. Uh, I know you do have a YouTube. Tell us tell us how we get connected with you. All right. So uh, you can connect with me on. uh, So everything is under the name Superhuman Yogi. So on Instagram, uh, you can find me under that name, uh, Superhuman Yogi. And on YouTube, same name, Superhuman Yogi. So uh, that's where you can find me at. I uh, also have a website, uh, superhumanyogi.com. Uh, and that website can link you to, you know, all of the uh, social media platforms uh, that I have. So that's where you can find me. And tell us about the books. How can we get the books? So the books are actually on uh, a different website. So they're actually on marcusjjennings.net. And on there, you can get the uh uh, mental uh, mindset book and the love is not dead book as well so uh, those are the two websites so marcusjjennings.net and then you have superhumanyogi.com